0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm welcome everybody. This is Scorebox. In the headlines, China grounds Boeing 737 MAX 8 planes following the crash of Ethiopian Airlines flight 302. The second deadly incident for the aircraft in less than five months. US stocks log their worst week of 2019 after a disappointing jobs report as the White House gets set to unveil President Trump's new budget proposal, including billions for his border wall with Mexico.
1: Uh, Sterling's off its highs, under a little bit of pressure, as UK Prime Minister Theresa May battles to save her Brexit deal less than 48 hours before a House of Commons vote on her agreement. And Deutsche Bank reportedly agreeing to merge uh, talks with uh, rival Comets Bank, with Berlin said to back a tie despite the risk of a huge financial shortfall.
2: Former Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn seeks court approval to attend a company board meeting, setting him up for his first face-to-face meeting with colleagues since his arrest on financial misconduct charges.
1: Okay, happy Monday, especially for me. I had a very quiet weekend. so great to be back in the office. What an exciting week ahead we have, especially for us Brits uh, on the Brexit knife edge as well. But what I want to talk to you about before we go into that over the next few days is markets. And for once, the markets have been eminently sensible on a couple of fronts. And I'll show you what I mean by this as well, because we had the big payroll figure on Friday. Uh, Actually, it wasn't a very big figure. It was actually only up 20,000. So the markets initially uh, went down very, very but then they rallied off their lows because sensible heads prevailed, because people thought, hmm, now this is a very volatile series payroll, isn't it? In fact, one month means absolutely nothing to me. So what I need to do, and I'm sure Mr. Market and Mrs. Market were doing this throughout the latter part of the US trading system, where we saw the rally getting us to pretty much the flat line, although the markets will tell you transports were down 11 out of 11. Uh, these three big indices, the S&P, the NASDAQ and the Dow, were down five out of five. But quite frankly, I call that flat in my book. And the reason why I think it's I think it's eminent. Sense sensible because if you look at the longer-term series, you'll see actually that the jobs gains over the last three months is 186,000 because we had that blockbuster figure uh, back in January with some solid figures uh, back in December as well. So actually, the mean figure of the last few months, whilst it is undeniably lower in terms of job creation than we saw in 2018, is actually a very respectable 186,000 jobs created. Plus, if you want to add in the fact that the unemployment rate slipped to 3.8%, which is, again, very respectable. And the average hourly earnings, which a lot of us inflation stroke Phillips curve watchers look at, was up 0.4 of 1%. So the market reaction was eminently sensible. Let's have a look at the dollar crosses as well. And I wanted to make another point about eminently sensible markets. My headline, you remember that one, about the pound being under pressure as well. Well, look at the pound. Look at the pound and then if you can remember what Karen, Jeffrey and myself have been saying to you for pretty much the last year, is that we are anchored at 130. And what have, what's the market? We're at 129.81. Now, if you round that up for all of you learning about your rounding and that and doing your math GCSE, we're actually at 130 which is exactly where we've always said to you that it looks anchored. The problem is, of course, this week it could slip to 120 or 140, depending on if the may uh, get something through. I'm not sure we're going to get that clarity. 112.33, dollar 112.33, dollar-yen trading 111. Would you like to look at the oil markets? I think you would. So let's have a look. Brent uh, is trading 66 bucks, up 0.7 of uh, 1% on the week last week, and LightSuite Crude currently trading 56 39. Big disparities, you'll notice, between sweet Crude and Brent. Why is that? Because, of course, this is a global benchmark looking at global issues, whereas sweet Crude is more a measure of the huge amount of shale coming out, principally places places such uh, as the Permian as well. I should tell you, the week ahead as we look at the Asian markets is very exciting for data in the US. We've got retail sales today, we've got consumer prices tomorrow, and on Wednesday, producer prices. I should flag up for those if you look more than one week in advance, the 19th and 20th of this month, i.e. next week, is when we get the next FO and people pouring over comments, of course, from Jay Powell. So this is where the Asian market's trading. Shanghai Composite having a good session, 1.3% to the good. Opening calls for European indices look like this, i.e. the rally happened after the European close on Friday. Uh, And here we are, 71.47 on the FTSE, Zetradax 11.502, and the Kakarant 52.59.
0: Uh, Steve, thank you. Uh, Beijing has now grounded all Boeing 737 MAX 8 jets operated by Chinese carriers after the Ethiopian Airlines crash that killed 157 people over the weekend. The country's civil aviation regulator cited similarities with last year's Lion Air crash and ordered the operation of all 96 affected jets suspended until further notice. Uh, Yunus filed this report from Beijing.
3: The Chinese civil aviation authorities are taking what they deem to be necessary precautions. Eight Chinese nationals were on board that Ethiopian flight that went down over the weekend. And since yesterday, fairly or unfairly, people have been sharing tips online as to how to make sure you're not flying on a 737 MAX 8 aircraft. So the authorities have ordered domestic airlines to suspend usage of the Boeing 737-8, which is another way to refer to the 737 MAX 8, by the end of the working day in China today. The CAAC said it would contact the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration and Boeing, and once it's confirmed that the aircraft is safe, the Chinese authorities will allow domestic carriers to use the aircraft. Currently, Chinese carriers operate fewer than 100 7378s. State media is reporting that many of the airlines would instead use the older 737-800 model, which has similar number of seats but is less fuel-efficient in order to make sure that air traffic is not disrupted. Yunus Yun, CBC Business News, Beijing.
0: Uh, so, Karen...
3: So I'm the one most excited about this.
0: About this.
2: Yeah, it's a big story, potentially. I mean, we don't know if there was a problem, but if there is a problem, then that is a massive uh, potential issue for Boeing. Because when you put it, this type of aircraft in context, it was one that they have huge hopes for. They expect to um, sell it to a lot of clients, customers out there, as the most uh, one of the most profitable airlines that many of the customers Customer airlines can take on board because it does have very good fuel efficiency. It's used on a lot of low-cost carriers. So the move by China is it preemptive? Is it also trade-related? I'll throw that in there because if you think about, it, no evidence yet, but you've had a move by a regulator in China to effectively ground these aircraft without information. So is this another battle in a trade fight? A fight against the Americans, for instance? Well, I
0: would say no, uh, and that on the basis of previous incidents involving other aircraft over time i think it's perfectly natural for all airlines to be investigating and grounding their fleets at this point until we know actually what went wrong i was uh, you know like everybody else i've just been listening to the reports of this suggesting that there's a problem with the computer that deals with the stall speed of the aircraft but china's not the only lion air indonesia yes yeah. yeah But China's not the only one who is investigating its fleet at this point. I think uh, Cayman Air has uh, suspended the use of their aircraft. e Jet in South Korea also looking at their aircraft. I just think it makes uh, sense. You know, In the world of civil, civil aviation, you don't take risks. And perfectly natural to take the action that they're taking. I don't see a connection
2: strong messaging though from the chinese to immediately ground those aircraft so when you think about it we are in a trade fight and this is a <laughs> now puts into the headline story. A fight between China and Boeing, an American company. Who would win? If there happened to be a problem with Boeing, well, typically you would think the orders would swing back to Airbus eventually down the track and maybe positioning some positive news around a China airline that has struggled to get into the the, uh, sky. As you know, commercial orders for a Chinese airline have not been forthcoming to a great extent from the West. So this is almost a hit back against technology for Boeing potentially, you can look at it from that point of view, but if you want to take it purely about safety, well yes. let's consider where European carriers lie in the mix. What's the response going to be from those European regulators? Two airlines in Europe have a lot of this uh, aircraft and that is Ryanair and the other one's Norwegian. So again, we've got to look at the share prices of Boeing when it opens up later on today yeah. to see if there is an impact, whether investors do take flight initially until there is more evidence produced, just in case, and also for some of the major airlines that use the aircraft.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I think I think that's absolutely right. That it's 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 quite likely that we will see some reaction in the share price as people begin to wonder what the consequences will be for the further rollout of this aircraft because it is a relatively air, a new aircraft in service. I believe it's only been out around twelve months. Right. So there are inevitably going to be some teething problems but if there is anything that is going to imperil life I think civil aviation authorities take this incredibly seriously mm. as do the airline manufacturers mm. and there is a whole process that will swing into action here to make sure this aircraft is safe for further use just on the uh, uh, to, to step away from the the crash and just to talk about the china aspect for a moment I think that this sits Uh, right in the uh, crux of of that whole issue about technology transfer Mm -hmm. and the West's allegations and Washington's allegations that China has made hay while the sun shined, taking Western technology where it can and using it for its own purposes. Right now, I don't think that, even though the Chinese are making great strides in developing their own airline business, I don't think they have the technology that matches Boeing or matches Airbus. So the consequences are they have to be a price taker of these aircraft at this point rather than being able to get in the game with their own.
2: I take your point on the readiness of China Airlines to be in the skies, but it does certainly benefit China's narrative right now to hit back against the United States and its key manufacturer, Boeing. Throwing doubts over the technology, it's quite useful in this fight that you've got right now. And it's something I've spoken about regularly on the set. I think there is a company by company risk now where Donald Trump has been picking off companies in, in China, Huawei and ZTE, and now effectively the same for the Chinese, picking off American companies where they can have a fight as well. And this one, they've been very quick to jump on and, and seize upon this Boeing story when we don't have an outcome. Mm-hmm. In terms of, of when that outcome could happen, next couple of weeks will be quite key for individual regulators picking over the, the airlines now. But in terms of answers from the two crashes that we have two fatalities, two major airline crashes in a short space of time, yeah. the answer's not going to be forthcoming soon because you think about Line Air that was back in October, we still don't have answers and it's March now. So the aircraft that's just crashed in Ethiopia, we're not going to have answers, I wouldn't expect for a number of months.
0: No, I mean, the the explanation as I understand it is that there was an issue with that particular piece of uh, computer software. And uh, the, uh, with the Lion Air, and that this, this uh, uh, piece of technology that is meant to prevent the aircraft from stalling was dealing uh, with the wrong information and ultimately forced the plane to go into a dive, which is the natural reaction if you worry that an aircraft has reached stall speed because you don't want it just to drop out of the sky. Mm. Nose down, pick up some airspeed, and then level out. And I think the fear over the Lion Air piece of technology was that um, what happened is the computer didn't work properly and ultimately didn't pull that aircraft out of of the dive. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, this could be resolved very quickly, depending on what the real problem is in this situation and what the the black box technology tells us, if it's found quickly.
2: Lots of questions, not many answers at this point, but Mm. one that could have market implications. Meantime, China's top central banker has indicted uh, or indicated, I should say, that Beijing could be close to a currency deal with the US. Speaking to an NPC news conference over the weekend, the PBOC governor said the two sides had discussed issues surrounding the yuan and reached consensus on quote many critical issues. Yi Gang again pledged that they would not use the exchange rate as a tool. In the trade war, well, David Slater joins us, Portfolio Manager at Trio Macro Fund. David, good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Big week. We've just been discussing uh, one potential issue that uh, indicates that it's still a trade issue between the United States and China. Yeah. How do you see this week unfolding? There's a lot of headline risk around the data out of the United States with the jobs report, we've got Brexit over this side of the world, and the trade fight continues.
4: I think um, it's going to be very interesting in the US. We had that pick up in average hourly earnings last week. We get CPI and PPI data this week. Um, The Fed is in a situation where they've somewhat been able to relax a little given the um, commodity sell off that we had in Q4. Slightly takes the pressure off in inflation terms. We've had a bit of a rebound in commodities, but if we start to see that average hourly earnings data feeding through into inflation, it's going to make things a little bit more tricky given the recent, more relaxed stance that they've taken on I mean, policy. I you
2: just went to the positives on the average hourly earnings, that being a high number that came from the jobs report because a headline number wasn't a very strong miss. A 20,000 uh, job creation figure in a month that many thought 182,000 jobs would be created. Yeah. And well and truly down from a 300,000 plus number the month earlier. It's a significant reversal, even if there's so some anomalies we even, or some even noise. bother
1: looking at the individual monthly figures? I mean, it's... It's banal for anyone to make any trading decision on the back of one month's uh, non-farm payroll, isn't it? it
2: But again, the number we had in China on a trade, does it mean that there is a problem in the data or it, does, or not. it just means it was. Did you
1: see the weather in February in the States? It was absolutely freezing, and it almost certainly had an implication. You're
2: the first person to say to me that people can take on board weather and forecasting. Like, nobody noticed that the weather right. was particularly. I am
1: bad. the first person to say it to you. Absolutely. You're, you're agreeing with what I'm saying. So, hence, you have to take out one piece of data and you have to extrapolate over a longer period of time. Surely that's what data watchers do. We have to help build up empirical evidence over a longer period of time. And, in fact, even the smallest period of time increasing, if you have 304,000 jobs created in January, January and you add twenty thousand in February, you get to a mean of over one hundred sixty-five. So you know, I, I think you should. And if you add in the December figure, then you get to one hundred eighty-six. So so actually, the data over a longer-term period does, without doubt, show a slowing down in the pace of hiring. But you cannot say three hundred four thousand uh, created, we must buy the Dow up to twenty-seven thousand. Oh, only twenty thousand created, we must sell the Dow down to twenty-four thousand. That would be the most stupid form of trading going. But
2: well, we it? have had that. We had that. I, well, we haven't
1: <laughs> had it, and this is why. I actually, I, I don't know. But I, as I was explaining at the wall, um, I, I thought it was a very, very smart reaction from the market to actually say, do you know what, we don't know. So they drifted it back up to the flat line at the close of trading. And by the way, there was a very strong agree, piece of data. Well, hang on, just let me just say what the whole data is, because it's very important our viewers look at the whole data rather than just crazy volatile headline non-farm payroll figure, as I've been looking at for 31 years. Uh, 3.4% average hourly earnings, 3.4% average hourly earnings, and an unemployment rate of 3.8%. These are
4: stunning figures. I think you um, you have to see where the next data comes really. You you probably look at that data that came out on Friday and you you probably attach a ten percent probability that you know we've had a massive drop off in employment and it's going to come through next month another twenty thousand number, and you probably think there's an eighty percent chance that actually next month it gets back to trend, hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand
1: a Who's got a brain on their shoulders and who is? looking at the figures over a longer-term period. We'll look at the average claims uh, over the last four weeks. It's 226,000 average jobless claims. Now, these are slightly higher than the average of the fourth quarter of 220,000, but there is no precipitous decline. So we have to look at the
4: whole data set rather than looking at one volatile headline number. And I would think in all likelihood, probably next month, we come back towards 200,000.
1: But even if we don't I, don't, I almost don't care because the trend is clearly showing that job creation is slightly lower and that wage I- increases are slightly higher. What, what else is the data going to show us on a, when we look at a larger data set? It's not going to show anything else, is well, it?
4: Well, another 20,000 number would spook the market for sure. Because a lot of what's happening right now and people's impression of the strength of the US economy mm. is really driven by the labour market.